0: Please remain uh, standing and turning your Bibles to First Corinthians chapter three. I'm going to be reading verses five through eleven. I feel very honored by Mike uh, having asked me to preach at his installation. If Mike knew me better, he would probably know that I'm not good at installing things. Uh, I installed a ceiling fan in our house one time, and uh, the blade wobbled so bad it shook our whole house off of its foundation. (laughs) A couple of weeks ago, I installed some software in a computer, and when I restarted the computer, it said, fatal error, fatal error. <laughs> and a friend I have who knows about these things said, that means I did something wrong.
1: <laughs>
0: and then, of course, there was the time that I installed the toilet, but we won't go into that. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a pretty picture. First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verses 5 through 11. This is what God says. What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants, through whom you believe, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. But each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I lay a foundation, and another is building upon it. But let each man be careful how he builds upon it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. May the Lord add His blessing to this reading of His Word. Let's see. People expect a lot of their ministers. The trouble is that uh, different people expect different things. For instance, uh, some people want their pastors to be outgoing. They want them to be glad-handers. They want them to uh, be very personable, know everybody in the church, be their best friends. Other people expect their ministers to be more studious. Uh, They don't want them acting like politicians. They would rather instead that they spend many hours in their office, on their knees, and in study for the Sunday sermon. So it's hard to please everybody all of the time. A Texan was bragging uh, to a Bostonian one time about all the heroes uh, at the Alamo. And uh, the Texan said, I'll bet you didn't have brave people like that up in Boston. And the Bostonian said, ever hear of Paul Revere? And the Texan said, oh yeah, isn't that the guy that ran for help? Uh, You you get the point, uh, different people can be viewed in dramatically different ways by different people. So the question before us this morning is, what is the biblical role of the minister? And the major point of the sermon this morning, and this will be a brief uh, sermon, is that ministers are simply servants. Servants of God and servants of the church. Everywhere in Scripture, the Scripture teaches that ministers are to be servants. Jesus himself, the greatest minister that the church ever had or has, said that he did not come to be served, but to serve. Remember when he washed his disciples' feet, he taught them the same thing, that they were to follow his example of serving one another. And this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, in the context of an argument over who was the greatest minister in the church in Corinth, he says, uh, What is Apollos and what is Paul? He says, They're simply servants. And the word that he uses there is interesting. It's the word that elsewhere in Scripture is translated deacon. So Paul does not describe himself or Peter or Apollos or any of the other ministers in the Corinthian church as being the senior pastor, the assistant pastor, the teaching elder. He says, we're ministers. In a sense, he's saying... We're the lowest of the lowest. We're here to serve you. That is our purpose as ministers of the gospel. Well, what are the implications then for us and for the life of the church of a minister being simply a servant? I think there are two implications that we find in this passage of Scripture. The first implication... Uh, of the minister being simply a servant is that we shouldn't make such a big deal about our minister. Unfortunately, in the church today, we do. The minister is the one that gets to stand up here, and not just up here, but even elevated, as though we were above you. But that's not the way it should be. In your church you'll notice as you read the New Testament books that the pastor is never referred to. It's always the church that is addressed by the writers of the New Testament. In other words, there wasn't one predominant person in each church that was thought of as being the predominant person in that church. Um, But unfortunately, that's not the way it is today. And today our churches are identified by their ministers. For instance, when uh, you hear the name Adrian Rogers, that's Bellevue, Baptist Church in, in Memphis, the man is associated with the church. Rick Warren, Sabbath Church in California. Bill Hybel's church uh, It's so-and-so's church when you drive up and down the streets. And you look at these uh, churches, and they all have the name of the pastor out there. Why? Who cares who the pastor is? (laughs) And most people don't know who he is. He's not that important a person. And besides that, as Paul develops his teaching throughout the book of 1 Corinthians, he makes the point, especially in chapters 12 through 14, That every member of the church is a minister, and we all have our part to play, and we shouldn't try to place one person above another person. You know, it's unfortunate that this has become our church culture, where one man is predominantly seen as the representation of that church. Uh, this last week, uh, they finished up with the NBA Finals, and it occurred to me that millions of people were watching these games. And why? Because they enjoyed watching the players play. Now, how many people do you think would have tuned in if instead of the game, they had televised what the coaches said to the players before the game? And if that's all they did, was just show the coaches, how many people would be interested in that? And yet, to a large extent, that is what we have done in our church culture today. We've made celebrities out of the coaches. And the players, you, are in the stands, and as a result, the world could care less. Look at the book of Acts, and see the, the times that the Bible says that the church, that is, the people of the church, uh, are held in high esteem in their society. It's not because they had such flamboyant preachers. It's not because they had such gifted communicators. It's because the people saw how Christianity had touched and affected the lives of these people, and what a difference that made. In other words, they were impressed by the fact that Christians were actually playing the game, and not just the coaches. It's also unfortunate when we make such a big deal about preachers, because it misses the point about who is really doing the work in the church. And this is the point that Paul makes. He says, we're just servants to whom you believe, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted it, a polished water, but God was causing the growth. So then, neither the one who plants or the one uh, who waters is anything. He says, "For nothing. But the one who matters is God who causes the growth. So to the extent, you see, that we elevate a man to a position of predominance in the church, so the extent that the church becomes identified with that person, what we're really doing is we're taking away from the glory of God. Because these guys are just tools that God uses to do the work, but it's God who does the work. Now obviously there's a difference between ministers. I looked through my toolbox this morning and I found this little hammer. It's not very impressive, but you can hammer and nail. And then I found this one. This one's got a steel handle. You can't break it. You can hit things a lot harder with this one. Impressive, right? But that's nothing. Then I found this one.
1: <laughs> that's a hammer, right?
0: But let me ask you. Can this hammer do any more hammering than this hammer? Unless it's in the hammerer's hands. No. The tool by itself is nothing. It all depends on the person who actually does the work. And in this case, in the case of church, it's God who does the work. Did you know that no minister that you have ever had caused you to grow spiritually? A minister can't do that. Now, ministers can be used very effectively by God to bring about spiritual growth in your life. But a minister, per se, cannot make you grow spiritually. So let's not make a big, too big a deal about ministers. It's God. It's God who is using these people to accomplish His purposes and let's give God the glory that only He deserves. And then the second implication of... the minister being simply a servant, is that we shouldn't make unfair comparisons between them. I mean, it's unfair to compare this hammer to this hammer. They simply are what they are. Well, which one is better? It kind of depends on what you want to do, doesn't it? I mean, if you want to tear something down, this might be the hammer you're looking for. On the other hand, if you're working on fine cabinetry, you probably don't want to use the big You want to use the little And so those kind of comparisons can be very unfair. I mean look at the variety of ministers that this church has had. Uh, and God has used all of those. Uh, you know, some of us are short. Uh, when I first started the covenant... They had made the pulpit there to fit the pastor. He was six foot six high, and when I got in the pulpit, nobody could see me. So we had to use a little box. Well, some pastors like to dress up, some pastors don't. I'm one of the ones that don't. Uh... And Joy, Joy already told me, she said, you know, this is a casual church. You don't need to dress up like this. <laughs> yeah, well, today I do. Uh, because I'm going to be compared to these other guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, <okay. laughs> but we need to be careful about making unfair comparisons. This is another point that uh, uh, Paul makes here in this text. He compares the church to a field, to a building. Uh, and Apollos and Paul are simply fellow workers in this field or in this building. Now, I could ask you a question like, uh, which one is more important, a bricklayer or an electrician? Well, you can't answer that question because both are necessary for building a house, right? You don't you don't compare apples with oranges. And so, one person at one time in the life of this church. Was used by God in this way, but at another time, it was used, a, a minister was used in a totally different way. And to touch different people's lives. I learned when I was very young not to make this mistake of comparing ministers because I was in a church where I thought the pastor was the worst preacher I'd ever heard in my life. <laughs> and I was convinced that he was holding the church back in terms of of its growth. Uh, Dell will uh, remember. He, we were at the Bible Church of Little Rock uh, together. And uh, this man could put just about everybody in the church to sleep every Sunday. Uh, it was a well-rested church. Uh, but... You know, one one uh, year after this man had left, he was invited back to do a person's funeral at the Bible Church. And I remember going to that funeral and like, almost being put to sleep again by this guy. But during that service, I heard testimony after testimony about how this minister had touched different people's lives in that church. Now, he hadn't done anything for me. But that's not to say that God wasn't using him in his own way. So God was using that person. And, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I began to appreciate that man. Because one of the things he did do was teach the Bible. He didn't teach it in a very interesting way, in my mind, in my opinion. But he did teach the Bible. And that itself was a great blessing. Because there are a lot of churches you can go to today where you're not going to hear the Word of God being preached. So, let's not make too big a deal of our ministers, and again, we're all ministers, and let's not make unfair comparisons. You know, the best advice I think I could give you this morning would be to appreciate Mike for who he is. Don't criticize him for who he is because Mike is going to touch people's lives. God is going to use Mike. He's not going to use Mike in the same way in everybody's lives. But you can be assured that God is at work building His church. He knows the tools that need to be used. And Mike strikes me as a tool who wants to be used and to be used effectively. So appreciate Mike for who he cares don't criticize him for who he is you know when we become critical of people we tend to become embittered and then that robs us of the benefit that that person could be to us we just don't know but again wonder at what God is doing in building his church size doesn't make any difference who knows what God is going to do In and through this congregation, as he uses life as effectively as only God can use it. So pray for life. Pray for a servant's heart. I have have prayed for a servant's heart ever since I went into the pastor and said, learning to be a servant is a hard thing. In our society, it doesn't come naturally. We always want to be number one. We want to be looked up to. We want to be thought well of. We don't enjoy the servant role, and yet that's what a minister is called to do, is to serve, to be a deacon to one another. So pray for Mike for a servant's heart, and pray for yourselves, that God will help you to see and to understand what he is doing through Mike, and to one another in his congregation as he builds his church into the future. <coughs> as far as in the says. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you are the one who is at work in our lives. But Father, we thank you, too, that you have given gifts to your church. You've given many gifts. Lord, help us to be appreciative for your gifts. Help us to be accepting of them. Help us not to be complainers. Help us to be encouragers of one another. And Father, we pray that it would be you that would receive the glory for what this church becomes in the future. We pray that it would be very clear that it's not just a human endeavor, a human undertaking, but that God Himself has been, been among us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: For our closing hymn, would you please stand and sing with me on George's Stormy Banks Thank you.